Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. One of the definitions of launch is to start or set in motion. And every creative person has to do it. So what are the secrets to a successful launch? With eight to 10 hours a day, I was like literally emailing people one by one. I don't really check my numbers. You know, I don't really listen to the podcast. I'm able to do it again, but as a normal person. Welcome to Anna David's Launchpad. Hi there, you're listening to episode 307 of Launchpad. I'm your host, Anna David. And uh, today, this is uh, this is a very different episode. I feel like I say that a lot, but it, it is, it is, because it's about book launches, but it is also about how you can literally make millions from your book. Yes, the person that I speak to in this episode has made millions as a result of his books, and trust me, it is not from looking at your Amazon book sales. So let me tell you about him. Mike Koenigs is a guy I met a few years ago. Um, he was, we met at an event and he was, we could say, promoting his book Money Phone. We talk about that in the episode. But, but so immediately, this will all make sense once you hear the episode. We took a picture together and, um, and you'll hear, you'll hear why that's relevant. It, it all has to do with books. But he is a 13 time number one best selling author. Um, he has, he he helps people, he helps incredibly successful entrepreneurs figure out what their message is, how they can do it. But he has a huge history in book publishing. He has 11 books. And the book that we really talk about is one that he wrote from his bed while recovering from cancer. And that is one that he used to generate eventually millions of dollars. What he talks about is the importance of having an offer embedded in your book. Um, it, it can make the difference between a book that generates you a couple thousand dollars if you're lucky um, or, or, as I said, a significant amount of money. And there is nothing wrong with wanting to make a lot of money from your book. If I can teach you anything, it is that I did not make a lot of money from my books when I was do when I did my six traditionally published books, and uh, I really needed a mindset shift, and that is what I'm also hoping to provide for you. Now, if you would like the episode notes as well as a link to a special video that he talks about in this episode, all you have to do is go to launchpadpub.com/blog slash Mike. And if you like this episode, if you like any of the episodes, my God, throw a five-star rating up there. I will love you forever. So with that, I give you Mike Koenig. God, his name is so hard to say. Mike Koenigs. So Mike, thank you for that lesson. Thank you for doing this. We've been talking about doing this for, I believe, I don't know, since the beginning of time. About. Do you think that's when we, yeah. really? When, when God was a little boy, I think we started talking about this. Yeah, about then. 
Um, so it is a very odd time. And as I was just telling you before we start recording, yes, of course, I want to talk to you about book launches because you're the master. But but I see you as someone who kind of, you know, l- will be a rat. You'll be the last one standing if this were the Hunger Games. Like, it's Mike. So in this very odd time, and you just said people, if people, you're the person people want on the desert island. Uh, what is it you seem to know about survival that the rest of us could learn? I think um, uh, I'm not sure exactly what it is about my character, but I've had uh, some of the weirdest requests in the past. One of them is I hear people say when they introduce me, it's like all the all Mike needs is like a spoon and we'd everyone would survive on the on the desert island or, uh, you know, like a piece of metal or something like that. Kind of like a MacGyver reference. The other one, I had the strangest thing happen. I had several people say, um, can I put you on my will because, and they essentially asked me to pull the plug on them if time ever came. They said, because I know you'd do it. I was like, wow, right. that I don't know how to take that. But um, I think, you know, I grew up in a very rural community where I was taught to hunt and fish and live on the land. And I've got very strong survival instincts and the ability to reinvent myself quickly. I've got a history of doing that. And for whatever reason, people feel like I have what it takes in the times of real hard decision making to figure out how to reinvent, survive and make do no matter what kind of resources are available. So I'm pretty proud of that. Actually, I haven't thought about it in a long time, except we do live in strange times right now. So. So, yeah, I'll take the gift. So are people reaching out and going, Mike, what what do I do? I've had some of that. that. I was um, uh, got some interesting chatter from my family right now, and I'm in a couple of masterminds, and I was giving a bunch of people hell because um, I uh, I challenged them in a very harsh way to um, really pay attention to perspective at times like this because everyone's losing it, even guys who I consider to be strong masculine men, and they're acting like scaredy cats, and I'm like. When you put this all in perspective, um, we are going to be fine in the grand scheme of things. Um, history has proven that. Stock market will take a big dump, and that means everything's going to be on sale. Um, there are going to be a lot of people in need. And right now is the time to build your capabilities and your mm-hmm. skills and your platform while there's some in between time. And if you are not in a place where you can immediately generate income, now's the time to press the spring backwards to set up your dominoes and be prepared for that moment. And uh, historically speaking, again, not that we've had pandemics in front of us in the past, but we've certainly, humanity has dealt with it in the past. And in the grand scheme of things, humanity survived. And the other side of it is in a bear market time, Um, I've got a giant list of every bear market going back to the 50s and they've never lasted longer than two years and they generally take two to three years maximum to bounce back. So at at its worst, we're going to have a downtime of two years and then it's going to come back up over a period of three. I don't believe that's the case um, simply because the powers that be have a vested interest in maintaining the illusion, Uh, meaning those who are super wealthy have figured out 
how to manipulate every market and every system to have an exceptionally high quality of life. And if that means currency manipulation, market manipulation, um, a new form of junk stock or junk bond, um, whether it's, it doesn't matter what it is. And again, you can look at this through a fatalistic perspective or through the lens of imagine that you just landed here on the planet and saw things as they were, which is there is immense, uh, immense wealth in front of us, immense opportunity. Statistically speaking, we live in the safest, most, um, uh, you know, the more people are making money, where more people are out of extreme poverty than ever before in human history by a long shot. Statistically speaking, fewer people are dying of stupid, of bad things. And um, the amount of wealth that's available worldwide. And some people are make a big point of the, the poor distribution. Even that is an illusion. It is, it is statistical manipulation in the grand scheme of things. There are fewer extreme poor on the planet today than ever before. In general, most people are better off. A huge, a larger percentage of the people have internet access now, access to mobile phones, the ability to gain uh, a free education. So I know I got off on a long tangent there, but I have immense faith in the man's ability to recreate and also in capitalism to solve just about every problem that gets thrown in front of us. So how does that apply to writers and people not necessarily who want to make a living from their books, but who want to make a living as a result of their books? Well, uh, I think the first thing to think about is uh, anyone can publish now with no restrictions. So the way I look at it is you and I are communicating via Zoom. So uh, we could be broadcasting this live. So anyone can broadcast live to almost the entire connected human race for free. And turn our message into any medium possible, whether it's video, audio, books, articles, et cetera, et cetera, for free. It is exceptionally easy now to get basic media training and get on uh, local or national media. And it is possible and easy to have and run a complete business with no physical location, no physical employees, and earn millions of dollars a year with zero infrastructure. And, uh, you know, I, I make a living building platforms, meaning I, I help people figure out what their core offer is and their message. And I get it done inside of 48 hours, which includes elevating them or promoting them, right? In national media or content. Mm -hmm. And so in 48 hours, you can completely reinvent yourself craft the basic a basic platform and an offer and start talking about it and enrolling clients into that and and you don't have to have uh, a huge college degree so I, I think again there's infinite possibilities infinite tools infinite distribution and most of it's all free um, and so how do you make a living it's just a, a matter of really honing down and figuring out like what is it that makes you uniquely you and crafting what I call a category of one brand so you stand out. So you are in fact unique and different. And that's really the hardest thing of all, but it requires some iteration. It requires some some creative crafting new 
uh, neural pathways in your brain to think differently. So what about if it's somebody who's got a book uh, and they're looking to launch it and they're like, well, wait a minute, is this my unique ability? And how do I, how do I, or, or are they too late? Do you need to start before you even come up with your book idea, have this all figured out, have a session with you? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so generally speaking, like when I f meet someone and they'll say, yeah, I've been working on a book for three years or five years. Um, and I'll say, well, tell me about it. Who's your audience? Um, what is your outcome goal or big dream that you want to accomplish as a result of this book? Um, what's the promise, the benefit, result, or outcome your book and you represent? And have you figured out a golden thread between what you deliver and what you promise and what you want. In other words, is your offer embedded in the book? Is your book the framework for a signature speech? Is it, um, are all the points that you would make if you were being interviewed on national media embedded inside it, et cetera, et cetera. There's a whole series of questions that I'll ask. And if the answer is no, because most people who don't who haven't built a platform that makes money before who haven't written a book whose intent it is to elevate their status and their brand and create opportunities usually screw that up and mm. i don't believe in throwing bad or bad time in front of good time and for example the majority of my books i wrote them my first one in less than 30 days, my most recent one, which was my cancer story, it's called Cancerpreneur. Um, this one I wrote, edited, published it, promoted it to number one category bestseller, which essentially means it became a number one bestseller in several specific categories on Amazon, but it still sold hundreds of copies inside of um, six days, start to finish, like from concept to it's published, available in paperback and Kindle form. Um, what was your I, system? And that, that you wrote with Hal Elrod, is that right? Uh, he, he was a contributor because um, I actually served, when Hal got cancer, he knew I was a cancer survivor. He called me up and asked for my support. And I gave him um, some really specific direction. There were some things he was about to do that I think would have killed him. And he freely acknowledges that now. Uh, he got mm. bad advice. And as a survivor, I feel I'm uniquely qualified to give good advice and tell people what not to do and who not to listen to, just as much as who, who to listen to. And um, several months later, I said, hey, I'm doing this book. May I interview you as, an, as a survivor? And so I interviewed several survivors and a, a functional medical doctor, as well as told my core story inside it in a way that I think anyone who's been diagnosed or knows someone who's diagnosed, this is a toolkit to make sure you and your family and your relationships and your business survive. And what was the, what was the, when you, you have the concept a week later, the book is out in number one, what was your goal with that book? What is, what is the offer? What is embedded in it? Yeah. So this one is unique because every one of my other books were really designed to sell, market, or promote something and get me speaking gigs or get me in the media. This one was a result of, um, I considered it my mitzvah, in other words, my good deed. As a survivor, I feel I had a responsibility to other people who were diagnosed and in pain 
and filled with questions because the moment you find out you have cancer or someone you love can't has cancer the first thing people do is go through the is it the five phases of denial and bargaining and all that kind of stuff there's a whole process and it's very predictable denial will be the first one it couldn't happen to me or um you start bargaining with god so if you survive you'll stop doing this this and this or whatever it may happen to be and the other thing that happens is is depending on your personality type if you're more panic oriented what your fear uh stress levels are um you might go on the internet and start going down a rabbit hole and reading all kinds of garbage and making bad decisions and the first lesson in being diagnosed with cancer is those who hesitate die. You have to take rapid, swift action. And a lot of people will be like, well, I'm gonna use an alternative approach, which basically is a recipe for death, for the most part. Taking, when you take medical advice from, from non-doctors, that's a great way to die. Um, and I'm very explicit about it. And I know people who have since gotten cancer, didn't listen, um, didn't pay attention, and they're dead now. I just buried one a month and a half ago. And to me, dying of ignorance is a uh, a uh, unforgivable sin. Um, you know, uh, and I'm not saying I'm right. It's just that I spent a lot of time asking good questions and figuring out a system that genuinely works. And I'm not taking that from an egoic perspective. It's, you know, you can fact find and do a little bit of research. Mm -hmm. And so... My direct answer to your question is I got s deluged with people who, and I was talking to five or 10 people a week because someone had heard that Mike had survived, so you should talk to him. And I'm you know, really practical and, and, and I'll ask permission first, but I'll be very specific and explicit with someone on what to do and not to do while still saying, I'm not a doctor, I don't play one on TV or the internet. And... Um, you need to talk to a doctor, but here's some guiding principles and here's a arsenal of questions to ask a doctor so you go down the right path. And what I did is I packaged everything I had ever answered to hundreds of people all in one place. It's easy to digest, easy to read. You really get to the core of it in a couple of hours max. So just imagine in two hours, you've got a survival guide or something that you can pass along to a friend or a family member who's just been diagnosed and about to go down the path and and really give someone the assurance that um, no matter what stage you're at, there are, there's strategies to survive and thrive before, during, and after, or um, extend your life considerably if you're late stage, like fourth stage or terminal. And I still have some people who I've talked to who have been terminal for years, five, six years. And um, I think if they would have gone down again, done different things, listened to the wrong people, they'd certainly be dead now. So this book, there was no, there's no business motive. It was pure altruism, really. Yeah. In that particular case, it's good, good deeds, good work. Although now I have a, um, a publisher that wants to distribute it and pick it up they've already said mm -hmm. yes to it and uh get it mainstream distribution and what i i could see happen as a result of this so how could i monetize this or or create a platform one is i do not 
shame or say drug companies are bad. I happen to think that um, chemotherapy and radiation therapy have a place, um, an important place. I also think that functional medicine is a great way to prepare and also um, post-op, post-treatment, um, strengthen your immune system considerably and understanding really what's going on. And so I'd be happy to speak on stage and talk to doctors through the lens of a patient and a survivor. I'd be more than happy and willing to, um, you know, like the types of drugs, the cocktail that I was given is something called FU5 and Fulfox intravenous uh, chemo, which suck. I mean, it really sucks, but I could stand up in a stage or a coliseum and talk about the benefits and what my experiences were like in a way to bridge multiple worlds. And in the meantime, I'd be more than willing to be pulled in if CNN or MSNBC or, or Fox or any uh, network needed a survivor or cancer expert or someone who could speak about um, you know, preparing for any kind of a, a, a medical challenge or some sort of a, a thing that would come up. So you know, in that particular way, so I could definitely be a paid advisor, a paid speaker. Um, and no matter what, anytime you're getting any kind of visibility, that will certainly extend to someone would say, well, what do you do for a living? And I'll be like, well, I, I build brands. I create brands mm -hmm. that um, are unique and, and I work with only a few people a year and that I know would lead into other business and other opportunities. Well, let's talk about some of your books that that were more uh, offer embedded, uh, what you were able to do with them, how much money you were able to make as a result of ancillary income and how you launched them. So which yeah. is, is Publish and Profit the best example of yeah, that? Yeah, this would be a good one because it, it's really an evolution from my very first book, which wasn't called Publish and Profit, but basically the content was very similar. So <clears throat> the if we summarize all this, my goal and intention was always to write a book that promoted or sold an offer. And my goal was to generate a minimum of a million dollars in a hundred days and then build a continuing franchise from that. So <clears throat> thematically and strategically, what I do is begin with the offer. Now, in the case of Publish and Profit, I created a, a system that I used myself the first time around, and then I embedded the system into a book. So I kind of reverse engineered it. But for years, um, I started working in, in what you could say is the book business and the publishing business back in the um, early 2000s. Um, my first product that I produced was called Everything You Should Know About Publishing, Publicity, Promotion, and Building a Platform with a woman named Arielle Ford who at the time was the gateway to get onto Oprah. So in the 90s to the early 2000s, if you wanted to get on TV, if you wanted to be on Oprah, you had to talk to Ariel, And she represented Deepak Chopra, Wayne Dyer, Neil Donald Walsh, who wrote Conversations with God, Don Miguel Ruiz, who wrote The Four Agreements, Louise Hay, her sister Debbie Ford, um, Mark Victor Hansen, Bob Allen, um, the, the list went on and on to, at the time, oh yeah, Jack Canfield. She, she represented 11 number one New York Times bestselling authors, and that's back when you had to actually pound the ground to sell books, mm -hmm. right? And um, 
I created an information product with her. And as a result of that, I had a lot of authors come to me and say, hey, will you help me launch my book and promote it and market it, build my website, help me with my videos, help me create a product, et cetera, et cetera, all the ancillary things that, that were involved. And then I had started a couple software companies, but all in the background, much of my market were authors, experts, speakers, consultants, and coaches. They, they were kind of the prime focus. And so um, one piece of shame I had for many years is I had never written a book, even though my wife had written two books, Ariel had written many, and I'm working with authors and I'm meeting them and I'm like, they don't have anything I don't have. But I was afraid. I didn't know how to get going. I didn't know what I should write about even. So it wasn't until I got cancer, I was diagnosed and I was going through treatment and I wrote my first book. And really what I wrote it, the book was a documentary of me writing a book and how I self-published during the early days of Amazon. So not no one really knew how Amazon KDP worked at the time, um, but it was a mechanism for self-publishing. So I wrote that book while I was on my hospital bed. I mean, and the way I opened the story was I'm, you know, 2,357 miles away from home being treated for stage 3A colorectal cancer, waking up in a pile of my own hair every day with less than an hour strength of, of, to, of a day. And despite all that, I managed to write, publish, promote my book to bestseller status in less than 30 days and make it a bestseller. And the uh, the other wild thing was while I was being treated, I got called by Tony Robbins and they asked me to speak at a business mastery event. So I, I literally left directly from cancer treatment, weighing less than 150 pounds at a 27 inch waist. I looked like an Auschwitz victim with you know most of my hair missing. And uh, they said, will you come speak? So I accelerated my treatment to two, in some cases to two radiation treatments a day so I could be on stage. And I got on stage there and just gaunt and um, and I told my story and the place went nuts. I mean, they just yeah. uh, went crazy. And then the first thing that people asked is, well, how did you do this? And I said, well, I'll turn it into a product. So I turned the book into a product. So the book promoted the product and then the product drove people to a live event and then from there, we sold a mastermind. So here's the direct answer to your question now that we got the story out of the way, um, which is um, the book, think of it like a sales story, but it's in the, the subtitle is a five-step system for attracting paying coaching and consulting clients, traffic and leads, product sales, and speaking engagements. So Publish and Profit was specifically engineered to teach you how to tell a story in a book format that creates desire and demand to sell you to buy your products and services and how to position yourself as an authority and an expert um, using a book and as a result um, not only did that business turn you know produce a million dollars inside of a hundred days but it went on to become about a seven and a half million dollar franchise. So imagine the way it worked was um, I would promote a webinar. And when you registered for the webinar, you'd get a free copy of my book, a PDF version. 
-hmm. on the thank you page, you could click to download the PDF or click to buy the Kindle book so you could have it on all your devices, click to buy the paperback book, and I priced it at under 10 bucks, including shipping, because of course it's Amazon Prime. So you could get the book for 99 cents. It turns out even though people could get the book for free, they still wanted the convenience of the Kindle book. So I mm -hmm. the book, just by giving it away, actually became a bestseller many times over and mm -hmm. stayed that way. Same thing with the paperback book. And then um, the book would drive you to a webinar. So when you open up the book, the very first page uh, inside, now mm -hmm. folks at home can't necessarily see this, but it says free masterclass. And, you, and it sent you to a web page where you'd sign up and watch what is essentially a sales webinar about the benefits of writing a book, becoming a bestseller, blah, 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 and um, how to do it. And then, of course, you can buy my program for $2,000. And as soon as you sign up for that and go through the program, there's an option to come to the live event which is $5,000, but I'd apply your $2,000 investment to come to the event. So, you know, mm -hmm. it's a difference. And I'd guarantee you'd become a bestseller in three days. So we'd help you name your book, title it, create a book cover, give you a system for how to write it and do it yourself. And then we'd actually launch your book at the event, even though it didn't have to be written. And we'd promote it and market it so it would become a bestseller in three days. Um, so before your book was even written, it already sold at least 100 copies and is a bestseller. How um, do you do that? So how people are buying an empty book because they see the cover? Yeah, so Amazon started something. Um, now, it wasn't in place when we ver when we first started this program. We actually, it was 30, you had, you had to actually write the book, but then we gave you the tools. But what happens is Amazon lets you do what's called a pre-sell. So you can put your book cover and one page, upload it, price it, and then uh, sell it. And you have to put the content in there within 90 days. So the clock starts ticking. Well, in our case, we had coaching that taught you how to write it over that period of time. But the biggest thing that people, most people never do is they never launch. Think about how many right. people you've met. Yeah, I've been writing a book for five years. Uh-huh. Yeah. The chances, you know, most people, statistically speaking, this is an old stat I pulled out of USA Today. It was something like 82% um, of the U.S. public wants to write a book someday, but sadly, fewer than 1% ever do. It was and, in the New York Times, and it's 81%. Yeah. New York Times. Yeah. Very well sourced. There you go. And so um, the, the net net of that is we came along and had a solution. And at the time there wasn't a lot of competition. And so what invariably happened though, is someone would write the book and then they'd be like, well, what next? So then we had a program called speak and profit. We had another one called create and profit, how to create products. Then we had another one called, um, uh, let's see, uh, consultant profit, which is how to coach consult advise. And then I had a media training program. We called it, um, the uh, celebrity boot camp, where in three days people would come to my studio, we'd help them, we'd get them professionally photograph photographed. We had professional makeup artist and designer from Hollywood there. We'd craft their sizzle reel, shoot mm. them in seven sets. I had a a news anchor who would interview them, and then when you you'd literally walk away in three days with all the, your photos, 
a one sheet, a uh, a real sizzle reel that shows you speaking, talking, being interviewed in a studio. So you could send this out to TV and get booked on your local television station as soon as you get out of there. And we also ran a press release for you. So what would happen is you'd be able to see, you know, anytime you run a press release, it gets syndicated. So you'd be as seen on ABC, NBC, Fox, et cetera, et cetera. So it was like this whole toolkit to build someone's celebrity. Um, but that, but so again, when mm -hmm. this was all built from the book that you wrote in the hospital. Yep. And you didn't have this plan. It sounds like it sort of each piece came together as you were on stage and you saw the reaction. Is that is that how it? Yeah, read? basically, if you think about it, when you've got people who pay you money and then they show up for an event and then I'd be like, what the hell am I going to sell next? And I'd, I'd talk to people. I'd be like, and I, at that point, I knew what they needed. You know, it wasn't. But, you know, the only votes that ever matter are the votes with a check writer. Right. And um I mean, Dan Sullivan talks about that, but it's, it's, I, I like anyone who's a bitcher, a whiner, or a complainer, well, you should. And I'll be like, your vote doesn't matter, nor do your wines. Wines right. don't pay the bills, and they, I ignore them. So if someone, right. if I, and what was beautiful is, and this happened a couple of times where, um, I'd be on stage. And, uh, you know, over a three day period of time, we provided exactly what we said we would. We'd be like, OK, we're good. Right now we're working on the titles and subtitles. Now I got designers. I'd have a bunch of designers in the back of the room making books, literally making book covers and printing out the cover and wrapping it around a real book because we'd take a photograph of them holding their oh, new cool. book. And then we were doing book buying parties to produce sales for the book. You know, if you got 100 people in the room and a properly chosen book category, what a lot of people don't know is you only need to sell about 100 copies or sometimes fewer of a book in a specific category to be a number one category bestseller. But yeah. you still have physical proof. So we have all this, this machine running in the background, but during the production cycles, I was teaching them. So I'm on stage saying, okay, now, now that your book's done, let's talk about um, how you're going to increase your prices for your coaching, consulting, and advising. And it just led into a natural thing, which, hey, just raise your hand if you'd be interested in spending a day or two with me and learning more and doing an immersive workshop like what we're in right now to learn how to coach, consult, advise, increase your prices, and sell more effectively. Well, half the room raises their hands, so... I could produce hundreds of thousands of dollars in additional sales by providing an additional high quality service to everyone in the room. So an event like that could easily produce a half million dollars in additional revenue. And if I were doing three of those a year, which is what we did, which was insane by the way, but we did it anyway. Um, and then I had a big studio, so I'd bring them into the studio and we'd do another mini event. And while I'm there, say, hey, how would you like to learn how to make, market, and launch a product? I'll show you how to create an information product. Another workshop, okay? And then in every one of these, they're hands-on. So I would, like in the product creation workshop, I would make a product in front of a live audience and give you the business model on how you can do that too. So the whole idea is get check writers in a room, mm -hmm. teach something, and then here's all the equipment and the tools and the team you need who will record it and produce it for you. By the right. way, while you have them in the room, make an offer. 
Yeah, right? you'll get a better deal if you sign up now. How right about on. that one? Now, now, and then your other books like Money Phone and all of these, were these all built with big revenue streams in advance thought yeah. of? So Money Phone is uh, a system I developed and I actually modeled it after something some of my clients did. So here's the basic idea. And you've probably seen me do this before, but when I'm at an event and I meet someone and someone says, hey, do you have a business card? Because we're small talking or wherever it is. I'll say, I don't carry business cards. And I'll tell you why. Because you're going to give me a card. I'm going to give you a card. And then we're both going to not follow up. So instead, I'm going to take a picture of you and me. I'm going to text it to you. And I'm going to include a link. So you can um, click that link and schedule a time for you and me to follow up. And we can have a conversation about how I can help you grow your business. All right. So if I go to an event and there are, let's say, 500 people in the room, all who've invested thousands of dollars, taken time away from their work, their families, they expect to get a return on their investment. And if I show up, and first of all, how many people, oh, and here's the next thing I do, by the way, is as soon as I have their contact info, I make a note and I text to them some of the things we talked about. So I have a note and they have a note. And then before I leave that event, I make a little short 30 to 60 second video saying, hey, Anna, it was so great chatting with you at the blah, blah, blah event. While we were there, you and I talked about boom, boom, and boom. Now, I wanted to just follow up with you because I've been thinking about you and I have a couple ideas that can start this process moving right away. Um, when you and I connect, I'll tell you exactly what they are. They are. And here's a little teaser. Boom, 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 whatever it is. Well, without exception, first of all, they remember who the hell I am because who, 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 when's the last time someone took a photo and followed up with you? And when's the last time someone sent you a video that was, I am thinking about you and how you can blah, blah, blah. Doesn't happen, right? So already I'm in a category of one and the most memorable person in the room. And I actually provided value and I followed up, which is more than 99.9% .9 of any ever, anyone ever does. And then we're scheduled. And on the call, the first thing they say is, oh, my God, you know, I got to tell you, that thing you showed me is brilliant. And I go, well, and then usually what I'll do is I'll say, by the way, if you want, just text me your address and I'll, I'll send you a copy of this book, which cost me three bucks, right? It's simple. Mm -hmm. And in it are scripts that I use to market and promote myself. So I am transparently showing you exactly what I'm doing with you and for you <laughs> in a way that you can start using right now, which by the way, every one of these is an offer for how to work with me, okay? It's a, mm -hmm. it's a sales script book. So right. this was actually used as a tool to sell um, consultant profit and actually all my other products. And I always made a point of anytime I did a live event, Every event I did, I wrote a new book prior to it, which I would launch at the same time. And I could go in and say, and that this is the fact with Money Phone, I literally wrote this book in two days. I launched it two days after. And two days later, I was on stage doing a live event and I handed out a copy of my book to everyone in the audience with the story about how I did it, which is... I, I literally showed a step-by-step -step presentation of me doing the book. I did the same thing with Cancerpreneur, where I documented myself making the book and made videos of me doing it in real time. 
fascinating. Okay, we have got to get towards wrapping up. So let's Uh talk about top three tips for launch. Um, This documenting the process so that you can use that as launch material. Is that one of them? What are your three tips? Uh, Well, the first one is you've got to have an offer. No offer, no money. What the hell's the point of writing a book um, unless it's purely altruistic? And in that case, um, my advice to people is unless you've got a bank full of money and money's not your issue, don't make your memoir or an altruistic book your first book. Make money with it so you have time freedom and money freedom, freedom of purpose and freedom of relationship, okay? That's that's my outcome and my goal. So that's the first one is offer. Number two, make certain you have a your book can easily be translated into your signature speech and all of your interview questions and all of your content that you're going to want to put out as articles. Or if you're doing media, each chapter should be the equivalent of an article. So think of it as a Lego construction kit. Modularize it. Okay. Wow. Oh, that's so good. Okay. And then yes. the third is always carry your book with you in your bag because you never know who you're going to be able to meet. So you want to hear a little story about how that uh, turned into something magical? Yeah. Okay, so I was on my way to South by Southwest a few years ago and I jumped on a plane and I overheard two guys who were sitting in front of me one guy turned to the other. He goes, hey, do you see who's in front of us? And the guy goes, yeah, I saw him on the way in. It's Richard Dreyfus." And I kind of cur- curled my head around because I'm behind a few seats. And sure as hell, Richard Dreyfus is on the plane. And I'm thinking to myself, I want to meet Richard Dreyfus. Yeah. You know, he was in some of the best movies growing up, you know, Jaws. And, and I always love Mr. Holland's Opus, one of the most touching, heartfelt films. And and I, I really appreciated him as an actor. He's just like this big character. And as a small town kid growing up, I had no exposure to celebrity or Hollywood or any of that. Like I, um, so I still have that giggy, giggy, giggy built in. And then I'm not worthy. So we're getting ready. I pull up my phone. And one thing I know about celebrities is the weight of their hearts is through their purpose and through their nonprofits and their charities. And every, every celebrity has got a charity of choice. So I quick typed in Richard Dreyfus nonprofit, Richard Dreyfus philanthropy, and I found his. And so I, I wrote a, uh, I pulled out my book and I have always traveled with a Sharpie and a book. And I, wrote on the inside, um, Mr. Dreyfus, my name is Mike Koenigs, and I have an idea about how to raise money for your nonprofit. Blah, 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 blah. Here's my name. Here's my number, yada, yada, yada. So when the plane lands, um, and we were in like Salt Lake, I think. So I actually had a jump to go from where I was to where, you know, it was a two hop. So I quickly got up and I stood, got right behind Dreyfus. And just as we're walking under the jetway, I turned to him and I said, Mr. Dreyfus, my name is Mike Koenigs and I have an idea that'll help you raise money for your nonprofit foundation, blah, 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 whatever it was. And he looked at me and he turned and he goes, 
I need you. He goes, come <laughs> with me, boy. Walk along with me. And he goes, so uh, what's your big idea? And I went on to talk to him. I said, first of all, have you written a book? Oh, I've been thinking about writing a book for years. It's been half finished. And I go, okay. And uh, um, and where are you headed? Da, 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 da. Basically, I asked him a few questions that were really well positioned. The bottom line is he didn't have a platform. He spends a lot of time on planes raising money. He had just had back surgery. So he's like, I'm old, I'm fat, I'm in pain, and I... I don't want to. I don't want to do this anymore. And I go, well, um, first of all, I can show you how to turn your dreams into a book that can be be your fundraiser for your nonprofit. The second thing is, I could have you. I can interview you at my studio, and you could use those videos to send out instead of traveling. He goes, oh my god, that would be so awesome. Turns out he lives in the San Diego area. So two weeks later, Richard Dreyfus is in my studio shooting video, and I'm doing an interview with him. Oh and, my God, um, that's so great. Yeah, and so the whole point of this, the third mm -hmm. is your book is a ticket to get past the velvet rope and become and be a well-positioned VIP in any circumstance anywhere. There's always a reason why and a means that your book can provide value for anyone you come in contact with. And so when you carry a couple copies of your book, and a few uh, Sharpie pens with you, you can introduce yourself with reason to anyone. And who throws away a book, especially one that's autographed? No one ever. Yep. So those are my three biggies that pop into my head. Well, Mike, this has been so great. So, so helpful. If people want to find you, is the best way just to go to your website? My Koenig's. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's um, a good one. And I have a, uh, I'll give you a free video link too. That's at my website. So you can do um, the shortcut link to my website is paidforlife.com. So that's easy to remember, easy to spell. And the link to the video is paidforlife.com slash O-W-O, which stands for one word offer. Um, and it's a story about how to inspire and attract and enroll an audience into what you have with one word. So I call it the one word offer and the two word brand. So it's how to become a category of one. It's very, very relevant. It's only eight minutes long. Okay, so anybody who has a book, you are silly to not go there and grab this amazing offer. Thanks Even if you, you don't guys. have a book. Yes, well, you're not listening to this podcast if you don't have a book. All so. Right. So, but, but everybody, Mike, thank you so much. And thanks you guys for listening. I appreciate you, Mike. And I appreciate you listeners. Mm -hmm.